0: There are fewer than 30 men in the world qualified to drive Formula One. A mere half dozen, perhaps, to win. At this moment, I'm inclined to think you're not one of them. No, you want to keep up the good work, Steven? And there you have it. And there you go. Hello, this is Desiree for F1Weekly.com. I'm your in depth
1: correspondent. Welcome to F1Weekly.com. My name is Clark Rogers. I'm the host of the program.
0: I'll be joined
1: by Nasser Hamid, my co host. This is a special standalone podcast, number 974. January 2023. Nasser. Thank you, sir. Today we're going to interview with Mr. Matt Clark. He is a very talented young man from Milton, Ontario, O Canada. And you know, over the years, a lot of Canadian drivers have come to the U.S. and have been very successful. Paul Tracy, Jacques Villeneuve, Greg Moore, Patrick Carpentier. And I think, and you know, our track record in interviewing young people Uh, who have gone on to Formula One and IndyCar racing, uh, has been pretty impressive, I have to say. And I think this kid is going to go places. So I would like to thank him. Uh, We had some technical difficulties uh, on Skype, but he hung in there. And I want to thank him very much. I want to wish him all the best. And he will be racing in the streets of St. Petersburg in March. So we will hook up with him. And then uh, we go from there. So once again, please enjoy our conversation with young talent from Canada, Mr. Mac Clark. Folks, today on the show, we have Big Mac with a winning taste. Mr. Mac Clark, welcome to the crazy world of F1 Weekly. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Absolutely. Always a pleasure to speak with race-winning drivers who are going places. Now, your interest in racing comes from your dad. How old were you when you decided to get into karting? And if you don't mind... Tell us a little bit about your dad's racing uh, days also, please.
0: So my dad started racing a little bit later in his life. When he was young, both his father and his brother actually raced go-karts. So when the time came, in about his, uh, his mid to late 30s, he decided he wanted to get into it 100%. And he competed at a national level for... No three, four, five years did very well. Uh, won a few national championships himself, and then when I was around nine, ten years old, I started showing interest. And uh, my first season of karting was when, I was, was when I was ten years old. So that's that's how I got my start.
1: Okay. And what excited you about racing? Was it the competition, the sound? What was it? What was the attraction?
0: I think it was mostly the speed. I mean, when I was younger, I wasn't necessarily a super competitive person uh, until I found racing. So I don't think it was necessarily like the, the competition. But I think the speed and driving in general is just, you know, so exciting for a, for a young kid. Even now, I mean, I still enjoy it so much.
1: Yes. Okay, having raced go-karts in Canada, USA and Europe, what has been your experience in terms of depth of, depth of competition and intensity in different areas I have a feeling it's not easy to win no matter where you race.
0: That's, that's it. You hit the nail on the head. It's, it's hard wherever you go, but I think definitely the most extreme competition I faced in karting was definitely in Europe. Um, it's, it's a whole different animal, man. Those guys are crazy. It's, it's definitely great for young drivers to you know travel to the other side of the pond if they get the opportunity and compete against those guys because you come back to North America and you feel like a whole different driver. So that was definitely a positive experience for me when I was learning.
1: And you raced in Gartha, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. South Carter karting in Lonato, Italy. Much um, of the world finals there two years in a row to represent Team Canada.
1: Okay. When you moved to single-seater racing from karting, how long it took before you felt comfortable with your new ride?
0: It was a tough transition. Uh, you always hear young drivers talk about it, um, you know, the difference between karts and cars. For me, I'd say it, it almost took me my full rookie season. Only at the end of my rookie season that I really fine that I was, you know, comfortable throwing the car around and almost driving like a go-kart, right? You had that sense of confidence as a driver, but it took me almost a full
1: year. Now, let me ask you a question, and I've heard this from young drivers and team owners also. What kind of a young driver are you? When you made the transition or you go from one series to another, are you one of those drivers that you're going to do your way till you find the speed you need or speed you know you have, or you listen to uh, engineers and uh, crew chiefs? What to do to get up to speed?
0: I think there's a certain element of both. You know, as a driver, you have to bring your own skill set. Um, there's certainly things that I'm comfortable with that you know might help me progress faster. Um, but I do have a very good support cast around me. Like, for example, this year in USF Juniors, uh, Mateus Lice, the former IndyCar driver, he was my primary driver coach. So you know, having his experience and what he teaches me, along with my team owner, my crew chief, and my engineers. You know, Any input is valued, especially when the people you're working with have prior experience. So I think it's very important to you know have things that you as a driver bring to the table, but also you want to hear from other people um, what they have to say, and it, it might help you a lot. Now,
1: speaking of driver coach, I have a question for you, like Matthias lies helping you. What was like the biggest thing that you learned or heard from him that you said, oh, wow, I was not doing this, or this is like something, eureka moment for me?
0: I'm not going to give away my secrets too much, but uh, I think, you know, a lot of it's small little things, you know, that you just wouldn't think of unless you had someone of that, that that raced at that level, right? Um, So, you know, for him teaching me little tricks of the trade, I think I'll carry them not only in this car, at this track, at this year, but, you know, small little things that I'll carry for the rest of my career, all the way up to hopefully IndyCar.
1: Okay, we wish you all the best. Now, in twenty twenty, you won the Toyo Tires Formula sixteen hundred series in Canada. Sixteen wins, seventeen podiums from eighteen races. Were you surprised by such uber dominating performance? And what were the highlights of the season for you? <laughs> that
0: was that was a crazy year. It was uh, it was the COVID nineteen year, and coming into the season. I just joined up with Britain West Motorsports, and we knew that our goal, you know, we had the same goal in common, and that was to win the championship, but did I think it would be of that magnitude or that successful? No. And that's really when I found my confidence as a driver was in that 2020 season, and uh, just very thankful for all that team did for me. I'd say that definitely the highlights were uh, at the end of the year when fans were start, starting to be allowed back at the racetrack, racing at CTMP, or, or as some people may know it as MoSport, uh, was definitely a special experience as a young driver.
1: And what happened in the two races that you did not win?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, one of them was just an on-track. I finished second place. It was a very close race with a competitor. Um, uh, Track in Quebec, actually. That was part of the F1600 Canada Series. Um, And then the race that I did not win in the Toyota Toyota Tires Championship, uh, there was actually a wreck on... I think it was lap two. We were all fighting for the lead, and I ended up having a puncture, so I had to box and change the tire. And I think I finished somewhere just outside the top ten.
1: You mentioned Mosport. I've been there. Uh, the track I really like in Canada. Tell me if you have ever raced there, uh, Saint-Jovite, Mont Tremblant. Yeah, Trombo is
0: amazing too. It's it's kind of like Mosport. They're both very you know high-speed tracks, both special places, both have a lot of history, including you know hosting um, Grand Prix.
1: Yes. Do you need permission from Lance Stroll to race at Long?
0: <laughs> that would be uh, that would be nice, but no, I, I don't know if Lawrence still owns the track. Actually, I would want to look into that.
1: Yeah, he used to at one time, right?
0: Yeah, he, no, he did for sure, and in like the karting track there as well is like a, a super nice, like world class facility that Lawrence built for Lance. So I'm not sure if he still owns the uh, the proper racing circuit or not.
1: Okay, uh, past two seasons you have raced in United States uh, U.S. based series. What are your favorite tracks south of the border?
0: Ooh, that's that's a tough question. Uh, traveling to the U.S. these past years has been a really, really cool experience. Getting to, uh, getting new experience those different circuits. Um, I'd say Mid-Ohio is definitely up there. Road America is up there. I'd say those two are probably like my first overall, but they're like tied. Um, they're both very different. Middle Ohio is a very technical, you know, a driver's track. Uh, the car and the driver have to be very good in order to put it on pole. And Road America just creates some really, really exciting racing, especially in the uh, the lower categories with, with the big draft and, and whatnot. So,
1: And something tells me Canada Corner is your favorite corner at Road America. <laughs> I'm a little bit biased, but yeah, I would have to agree. Okay. Have you been to Laguna Seca or Circuit of the Americas, the Austin track?
0: I have been to the Austin Track numerous times, and I do like it. But I, however, have not been to uh, to Laguna Seca. That's still on the bucket list.
1: Yes, sir. When you go down Coxcrew, you're gonna <laughs> love. You're gonna love it. It's pretty cool, right? Oh, absolutely! And the location, you know, near Pebble Beach, it is uh, fantastic. I used to live in that area, so I've been there many times.
0: Wow. Okay. I guess I'm, I'm looking forward
1: to it now. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. And you can't beat the Mongolian beef uh, when you go to California, let me tell you that. Really? Okay, I'll take it a try. You like Chinese food? I do. Oh cool, same here. Okay, 2021, you were second in the US Formula 4 Championship with 6 wins. And last year you won the US Formula Junior Championship, which is when I got to read about you. With 5 wins, 10 pole positions and 12 podiums from 16 races. Uh, please give us a brief review on each uh, championship.
0: Yeah, for sure. So in 2021, we decided to race uh, US Formula 4 as kind of uh, a next step from Formula 1600 in Canada. It was definitely a big transition. You know, went from driving a car with, you know, treaded tires, not a lot of grip, no downforce, to driving my first proper wings and slicks car in, in that Formula 4. So we had a very successful year with Canel Racing. Unfortunately, um... You know, some on-track shenanigans led to us not coming away with the championship, uh, but I definitely learned a lot of value experience that year that I, that I carried into 2022 in order to have that success this year with DeForce Racing. I mean, this year, the inaugural USF Juniors Championship really brought hope to our program. That, that road to Indy kind of $220,000 scholarship Really kept help us kept us moving forward. I guess I should say, um, and really looking forward to uh, to USF two thousand and twenty twenty three because that's what that scholarship is going to allow us to do.
1: Okay, among your competitors, who impressed you the most?
0: I'd say this year the VRD boys did. Um, you know, all three of their cars were fast. It was a a big fight all championship long, and they were all very competitive. Uh, and you know, we had to slug it out. It it wasn't easy, and it was it was a close, hard fought championship battle.
1: Okay. Can we get some names, please?
0: Uh, yeah. So, in terms of VRD boys, you have Sam Corey, Nikita Johnson, as well as Alessandro Uh Two of those guys I have, you know, met, raced in the karting paddock. Uh, Sam Corey was a was a was a new face to me, but um, you know, all three of them were were very competitive throughout the whole year.
1: And how different is the Formula Junior car from the Formula Four car?
0: So the chassis is actually the same. It's the same tub. Um, this year will not be. USF Juniors will have their own car. However, last year, the ECU was different from the Formula 4 series, and uh, we were using the Cooper tire instead of the Hank the Force on the road to Indy. So it was a little bit different, but definitely a lot of similarities as it was the same chassis.
1: Now, I understand you listen to a lot of music on race day to get you into the zone. What are we talking here? Rock Me Amadeus or Speedy Gonzalez? (laughs) I'm, like, more of, like, the, the
0: new generation, rap music. I mean, if it's if it's a more chill day, maybe not race day, I do, like, my country music, too. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm more of a, a rap or R&B guy.
1: Oh, cool. Okay, now, this is interesting. I read that your favorite sport is American football, NFL, and Buffalo Bills is your favorite team. You know, very close to where you are. Now, this may be before your time. Does the name Scott Norwood mean anything to you?
0: No, See, I'm, a, I'm a relatively new football fan, so no, I, I, unfortunately, I don't know that name.
1: Who yeah. is that? Well, you know, he was a field kicker for them, and they went to a Super Bowl four times and okay. lost each time, and one I time, know. I believe it was 91, he had a chance to win on the last play of the game, and he just missed it by a few inches. Ah. Yeah. So that's some Buffalo Bill story for you. Okay, next, okay, what we have for you, okay, your favorite food is listed as ice cream. So the question, so the question is, what will you do for a Klondike bar, or would you go swinging for Ben and Jerry's Chunky Monkey, which is my favorite?
0: I'd, I'd say Ben and Jerry's. I mean, you can't go wrong with like a Klondike bar, but I prefer like actual ice cream. That's 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 definitely my preference. I like your choice there.
1: Okay, thank you. Now, speaking of food, we have to do a two-part cross-border comparison. Okay. <laughs> And since you've been to the U.S. many times now, you you should know this, or you should be able to answer this question. Donuts at Tim Hortons or Krispy Kreme?
0: Oh, Tim Hortons, no problem. Everyone says, oh, Krispy Kreme is this, or Dunkin' Donuts is this. Tim Hortons, so much better. You sure on that? 100% man, go Canada.
1: (laughs) Okay, good for you. Okay, second, now this is very serious business. Which one is more... Finger licking good chicken at Mary Brown's or KFC.
0: See, I don't know if I'm allowed to have an opinion on this because I honestly don't eat. Like, I can't remember the last time I had Mary Brown's, so I'm going to say KFC only because I've had it like in the last like two years. But I don't remember the last time I had Mary Brown's.
1: Do they can have Popeyes? good though. Do they have Popeyes in Canada?
0: Yeah, yeah, we have Popeyes as well.
1: Have you tried that? Yeah,
0: Popeyes is good too.
1: Yeah, yes, I like that very much. Okay, sir, let's get back on the racing track. What is the agenda for 2023 season? What are your expectations and who do you see as your main challengers? What series, what team, the whole kit and caboodle for 2023, please?
0: So to kick off 2023, uh, I'll be racing US 2000 with DeForce Racing, the team that I won the championship with last year. Um, our first race is the first week of March, downtown streets of St. Petersburg, Florida. Very excited. I think our biggest competition this year will... Most likely be the VRD Racing Boys again. Um, same names. Uh, Jay Howard is a very good driver. And, and Lottie Hughes, he won the USF4 championship last year. So I think the competition is going to be steep. I think there will also be some some surprise contenders in there as well. But they also win the championship the same as last year. You know, we want to come out of the gate hard. We want to come out of the gate strong. Take, take, uh, take hold of that championship very early and continue to run with it.
1: Well, you know, I'm in Tampa, 20 minutes from St. Pete. So I'll come and see you. Nice. And- and I'm going to tell you something, this year, you, there are two drivers, if one of them do not win the championship, I'll be very surprised, you and Lockie
0: Hughes. I think Lockie's going to be, uh, yeah, I think he's going to be a good competition for
1: sure. Yeah, I met him last year, did an interview with him, young kid from Australia. I think you guys are on your way, which is very good. Thank you, I appreciate that. Sure. And you know, um, what I really like about your career is, and I've been following this business since 1973. Okay, is you are taking what drivers should do, a step by step, step by step, common sense approach to a professional career instead of crossing the pond and going on a blind chase of Formula One. The question I have for you, when you decide on a team like D-Force or a series, sounds like you have good people around you who is managing and guiding your career.
0: So I actually have. Kind of a management group in place. Um, my official manager is still my father. Um, he does a very good job. I mean, he has experience in the racing industry. But I do have some people guiding me. So it's called Speed Group. I'm uh, I'm their driver, and it's comprised of three people. So David Martinez, who is mm-hmm. partial owner of D Force, Tony Calderone, who is an old manager in the IndyCar scene. He managed people like Paul Tracy, uh, and he was uh, in the paddock for quite a while. And then I'm very lucky to also work with James Hinchcliffe. So all three of those guys, you know, help guide my career. James. He's a big mentor of mine and, uh, definitely happy to have them in my corner and, and, uh, you know, helping us make the right decisions, hopefully on my path to IndyCar.
1: Well, it's always good to have Mayor on your side, <laughs> but as far Mr. as far as Mr. Calderon is concerned, did he really manage Paul Tracy? <laughs> it's hard to, that's a, that's a tough feat, right? <laughs> I don't think anyone ever managed Paul Tracy. Really. Oh yes, there are some, you know, Paul Tracy, Robbie Gordon, and, uh, Juan Pablo Montoya. <laughs> Those are the guys, right? Absolutely. Okay. Now, uh, finally, I appreciate your time, patience, and uh, thank you so much. How about a message for our listeners of iPhone Weekly? We have a global audience, and I'm very pleased to tell you we are one of the oldest podcasts. We've been going on uh, since 2005 and closing it on 1000 edition, believe it or not. So uh do you have tell them about your um, you know website social media
0: yeah, for sure. So I'm underscore Matt Clark on Instagram. That's kind of, you know, us kids. That's our main platform these days. I have a website, uh, MattClarkRacing.com. And then you can also catch me at the same handle, underscore Matt Clark on Twitter, and then Matt Clark on Facebook. So I, uh, I try to keep my socials up to date, you know, with my racing. And, uh, I really appreciate you having me on the, uh, on the pod. I mean, I'll have to, I'll have to check out all the previous episodes and, and see what I can get cooking. But, uh, I really appreciate your
1: time. Yeah, thank you. You know, we have done interviews with people like Mika Häkkinen, Nigel Mansell, a lot of people. Yeah, over the years, you know, this chap from your country, Daniel Morad.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, I know Daniel well.
1: Yeah, I've known him for many years too. Uh, do you see him now and then?
0: Uh so uh, the last time I saw him must. I... It might be a bit like a while ago now, but uh, I think last time we spoke, we had a sim race about a year ago, and we were teammates for this uh, this sim race, but he's an awesome guy, and I think he's full-time IMSA this year, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so hopefully I will see him at Daytona. Now, you have some preseason testing come up, coming up here in Florida, right?
0: Yes, sir. So, I believe I could get you an exact date, but I think it's the end of February. It's an official test day. Um it's, it's about a week before St. Petersburg. It's an official test day at Sebring, and that'll be the whole road to Indy. And then, uh, other than that, we I mean, we jump straight to the first race, St. Petersburg, Florida.
1: Okay, if I don't see you in Sebring, for sure I'll see you in St. Pete.
0: Awesome, love it.
1: Okay, and I have to ask you, what is your favorite rap song or favorite rapper before we go?
0: <sighs> oh, that's such a tough question. I'd say, right now I'm on a big Jack Harlow wave. I really like his style, um, the way he is, like, uh, away from his music, too. He's very cool, calm, collected, so uh, I'd, I'd say Jack Harlow is my number one right now, and I really like his latest album, Come Home The Kids Miss
1: You. Very cool. Okay, thank you so much. Have a pleasant evening. Thank you. You as well. Appreciate you Absolutely. having me on. Absolutely. Very welcome. Bye-bye. Mac, thanks for joining F1 Weekly.com
0: Good night, everybody.